You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is episode number 975 of our podcast stream. And oh, do we have a great show planned for you today. I've invited Jason Boyce to be in the show. He is co-founder and CEO of Dazity. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that. But you know, the firm was founded by four brothers, and they began as a modest basketball hoop internet retailer back in the day. But today, they offer over 20,000 products high-end customer service, and some of the finest home recreational goods and brands in the world. You know, they've consistently ranked on both the Inc. 5000 and the Internet Retailer Magazine's fastest-growing companies list for the past five years. So I've asked Jason to come in and talk to us about what it's like to compete in the world as an Internet retailer and what it's like to compete against the big-name companies. Jason, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Thank you, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. Let's let's start by take us back. How did four brothers? I mean, how did this happen? How did you birth this company? We can't really talk about how the company started without talking about how I was introduced to the family. I'm actually adopted into the family. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so. Um, I was invited uh, in my late teens to the Clarison family, a nice conservative Jewish family in the San Fernando Valley. And they have this concept called Shabbos. Yes. Every Friday night when the sun goes down until Saturday night when the sun goes down, they unplug from the world, no TV, no phone, no electronics, and they just be together. And they eat together and they talk and they listen. And when I was invited to this first dinner, it really hit me in a deep chord. I was struggling and not really able to find my way. Um, I was invited to the first dinner, and it, and it was it, had, it was so impactful to me that I actually just showed up uninvited the next Friday and the next Friday <laughs> after that. And, wow. <laughs> and some of the things we did when we unplugged is we played. And we played backgammon and cards and ping pong and basketball, and we were together. And it was it formed us as a family, a family that I now call my own as well. Okay. And that's how we came up with the company. We, we were sitting at the Shabbos dinner table. Ari had the idea to start a business, and we said, let's share the things that we did together growing up with the rest of the world. And that's how we're here. I love it when an entrepreneur, I know, huh? Uh, tells a story of a personal experience that they then take and turn into a business that it does that for other people. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank so you. you were how old when that started? So in my late teens, I think I was 17, 18 okay. years old. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, you, so you, you've embraced them as your brothers and family. Yeah. and Absolutely. Okay. When Ari had this idea, and was it was it as you said, everybody went, yeah, let's do that? Or was it, wait, how did that go from that spark to... You know, the next step of taking action. So I was on leave from the Marine Corps. Uh, I was an officer in the Marine Corps. I came home on leave from Camp Pendleton, and Ari presented this idea to the family. And Ari was sort of a Rastafarian and a waiter. And, uh, you know, I think he had blonde dyed hair at the time. (laughs) And he presented this and said, hey, guys, you know. Dreadlocks? Did he have dreadlocks? Yeah, he he, he had dreadlocks at one point. I don't think it was at this point. Okay. But uh, he put the idea out there, and everyone, oh, that's cute, Ari. Ari's going to start a business. And I said, look, I'm getting out in three weeks. Let's do this together. Really? And Let's bring these. Let's do these games and the hoops and the things that we did in this ever digital world, so that people can unplug and enjoy them like we did growing right. up. And that's this how has it this has 
really great impact on some of the things that I've been studying about the challenges of parenting in an age of digi- digitization Absolutely. and isolation. Absolutely. It's a, every parent I talk to struggles with the exact same thing right. and how to do it. Right. And we encourage every family, whether you're religious or not, to unplug for a 24-hour period once a week and see what happens. It's, it's a magical time. It really is. It, it helped heal me. My wife is Jewish, and we didn't celebrate it on Friday night, but we had family time on Sundays. It was mandatory, the kids. And when they were younger, it was all good and fun. But as they got older, it became a bit of a challenge because we had to be as compelling as their friends going out and hanging out with their friends in their pools and doing that stuff. So it really raises the bar to make sure that that Sunday isn't painful for everybody. Yeah, we're spending time together, but we're annoying each other because we're not letting them do what they want. There are plenty of battles in the teen years. Sure. (laughs) Not with me. I was in a different situation than my brothers, but everyone went through that battle and struggle. And I think to a man, they will all tell you that they are grateful that mom and dad made them stay during that period and made it a sacred time. Paul, uh, I'm going to ask the engineer to hit the gong because... We, for the loyal listeners, you know that's a teachable moment here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Love yeah, really. I, I, you know, I think it, it's not necessarily a business lesson, but we're all people too, right? Yes, and we have lives outside of our business and need balance in that area. Yeah. And kids crave the time with you, even at some level, if they don't want it at that moment. Later in life, there are dividends that get paid by that Absolutely. forced time together, making memories. Okay, so how old were you? when this happened, when Ari said, let's start a business? So at that point, I was in my mid-20s, okay. uh, tw- I think 26. Okay. Uh, I was uh, Actually, I take that back. I was already 30. I went into the Marine Corps at 26. I got out at 30. I spent so this was like a period of time. I mean, you, you, you're first I mean, in teens, and now you're in your 30s. So there's yeah. 10, 12, 14 years there of you being around the family before this idea kind of germinated. Absolutely, yeah. How old were the other boys? So, roughly. Um, Are you the oldest? I'm the oldest. Okay. And uh, Dan is a doctor. He's outside of the business. He's, you know, smarter than all of us. Him and Josh. Dr. Dan. Jo- yeah, Josh is the youngest. Any lawyers in He's the, the brands? <laughs> no, no lawyers, but uh, it would have been nice at times in our company history, I'll tell you. Bum bum, right? <laughs> Transactional lawyer, yeah. We could use somebody. Exactly. Sorry. And so Josh is the youngest. He's in his 30s now. Okay. He actually wrote the first website for us when he was a junior in high school. Oh, my God. That's how smart. And how talented Josh is. Uh-huh. He's a really smart engineer. And uh, Elon was, uh, when we started, he had just graduated from college, was working for Nike. Okay. And said, I love what you guys are doing. We wanted, I want to do it with you. And it wow. became a family affair. That's, that's so great and risky at the same time. Huh. Right? To have you all kind of... Well, look, Rick. It, it's risky. You don't know what you don't know when you start. <laughs> exactly. But it's also, we didn't have anything to lose. Okay. You know, I had one paycheck... After getting out of the Marine Corps, I gave it to Ari so he could buy a working computer so we could start this internet business. I love this. And uh, we just, you know, we learned as we went along. Yeah, we had Brian Smith on our show, and he's the founder of UGG Brands US, right? Brought UGGs to the United States. The iconic UGG brand booth. And he made a comment along those lines. If I knew how hard it was, it would have, was going to be, I might not have done it. So the beauty, the blood, the curse, and the blessing of an entrepreneur is you don't really know what you don't know. Ignorance is bliss. Yes, that's a better way to say it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so, um, how did you guys decide the way you're going to go to market? In other words, I've got about a minute, so we'll, let's just tease out a little bit, and then we'll carry it over the break if that's okay with you. Sure. Okay. So again, you know. W- 
we weren't exactly sure how to go to market. We ran into somebody who was selling table tennis tables online. He gave us some pointers, pointed us in the right direction. At the time, Google AdWords wasn't a big thing, but there was another company, I believe the name was Omniture. They were in Pasadena. We went and met with them, and we were paying a nickel a, li- a click to drive traffic to this website that little brother Josh had just built in his wow. spare time after school. <laughs> and that's how we started driving traffic originally to the website, and we went from 100000 in year one to a million the next year to two million and really started And that was what off. year? That was 2002. Okay. So half a year we did 100 grand. In 2003 we did a million and then 2 million and life was good. Yes. It was okay. really almost too easy to start. Okay. So a uh, lesson from block one of Critical Mass Radio Show is early signs of success aren't always harbingers of the future. That is a there, fact. There is no direct path from from start to go. Sometimes you have to take a little bit of ups and downs. And so you're comfortable coming back. We'll talk a little bit about We'd the evolution to. of the company. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to go nowhere. Jason Boyce is our guest. He is co-founder and CEO of Dazity. And we're going to be talking about the next phase of the company's evolution. After this word, one simple commercial from me. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. All of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on our radio show. Since we started the program in 2009, our shows reached several hundred thousand listeners through our live stream and podcast. Simply type in Critical Mass Radio Show in your favorite podcasting software to receive our weekly shows packed full of great guests with good information. Jason Boyce is our guest. As I said before the break, he's the co-founder and CEO of Dazzity. Okay, so before we get into the next phase of the company's evolution, how did the name, how did you decide on the name? It's a good question. Our first name was actually superduperhoops.com, and we hired a very capable (laughs) attorney to try to trademark the name, and he said, I've got good news for you guys. I can trademark the name superduperhoops, but you'll be my biggest client. And this is a guy that deals with multinational conglomerates. So we came up with a new name, and we morphed the words audacity and Sadiq, which is righteous person. Okay. And all we had was audacity. We certainly didn't have any money or know-how when we started the company, and we put that together with our wanting to be a righteous person and bringing fan- family and friends together in a sort of this non-digital way, and that's how Audacity uh, was born. Wow. Bringing people together in a non-digital way by using a digital platform. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the irony uh, of this. We're an enigma. Yeah. <laughs> so... so- off air, we were talking here in the studio that when you started in 2002, it was sort of after the after in the aftermath of the dot com bust. Yes. So, how was the public, or at least the community that you were talking to about your entrepreneurial vision? How receptive were they the idea of you guys going online with this? Oh, we got laughed at. We especially from vendors who were very heavy into selling to brick and mortar retail locations. We said right. we're an online company, and this is the best part. We've got we're gonna we're gonna build this site, we're going to put our products online, and after we sell them, we're going to send you the order, and we'd like you to ship it directly to our customer's home. 
And that's how we were able to grow. And then most of them laughed us out of the building, uh, but we got one and then two. And before long, we had 20 vendors who were willing to do this relationship with us. And Any sense for why the early ones took a chance? Anything they might have said or sense that you had about them? or I think salespeople just like business. Okay. And some of them are, will take a risk when others are more conservative or, or more limited by their management teams. And, uh-huh. you know, we, we, we build relationships. We're... We've been in this business for 15 years. We have relationships that go all the way back to the beginning. Okay. And we're still friends with all of these uh, guys that opened us, and we, we have a long memory. We remember we remember them opening us, and we're grateful to them. Right. Loyalty is important, isn't it? It is. Business. So you got started, you said, half a year, $100,000 in like six months. Is that what you said? That was the first six months. Six months. Nickel huh. click. Okay. Getting lots of traffic. We were one of two uh, basketball hoop online retailers, and uh, the next year we did a million. And uh, the nickel a click went to a ten cents a click, and then we did two million the following year, and then that that twenty cents or that 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 quarter became half a dollar. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, uh, we started to have some we started to have some profitability troubles because the amount of traffic to drive the cost of driving traffic for an individual sale got beyond our profit margin. Okay, and we got a little upside down. So uh, why did that happen? Well, I think that the pay-per-click advertising community at the time was so easy to use that anyone could do it. Okay. And it's like a it's a little bit like gambling, you know? You, right. you really want to get that top spot. So right. you don't want your competitor to get the top spot, so you get hooked in and you start paying more than you can. And, you know, you got it's this like stuff, a bidding war then. And you're getting sales and you think you're rich and things are going well. And then at the end of the month, you look at the bottom line, you're like, where's the beef? Right. You know, where's the cash? It's all going to Google. Right. And it's all going to Omniture and Yahoo and all that. So right. that was one of the first lessons that we learned learned is that we had to both remarket well to our customer to get that cost per acquisition down and also we had to pay very close attention to how much we were willing to pay to get that first sale wow paul that is a very important part of it because gone. I love the gone. in the in the online world it's all about getting people and traffic to your site yes yes and then obviously once you have them getting them to convert that's right and then getting them to repeat Exactly. Okay. Repeat is very important. Right. And that's the customer service and the fulfillment and the rest of that. So in the early days, what was it like? I mean, was it the four brothers in a, in a, office suite that you work out of the garage i mean how did how did that go oh gosh great question i have to dig back into my memory for that it was uh, the three of us josh was at berkeley okay. getting a degree in history while he's coding for us on his off time at uc berkeley and elon and ari and i were in a small sort of office slash warehouse in tarzana and we'd show but you didn't every- touch the product did you? Very little product that we touched. There okay. was some product that they wouldn't allow us to what we call drop ship. Yeah, right. And so we had to inventory okay. it. I and mean, it was a profitable item, so we brought it in. So that's how. So we how fast after basketball hoops did you go, hey, this is good, but we should be selling other things? Well, Elon came on board uh, six months in okay. and said, I just left the frat house at UC Santa Barbara. <laughs> Another and personal experience. Exactly. And... I play foosball more than I go to class. We should sell foosball tables. Okay. And that's how we got into game tables and table tennis and, you know, billiard tables and air hockey. Uh, so Elon really brought that to the business and we expanded. We we started selling scooters and uh, we started selling uh, baseball equipment and sporting goods. We, we later left the sporting goods market. It was just 
very, very competitive and hard to break into. And we found our niche in this sort of home wreck, and it's it really connected with our story and our right. origin story. Right. So it just made sense, and we're, we're continuing. We're, we were one of the first online companies out there to offer the mix of home recreational products that we do online. Now there's many more, but we were one of the first ones to do it, and um, w- you know we were driven by that story. Okay. So how, how did you... How do you how do you defend your turf against others who want to get into your space? Well, it's not easy, and it's a constant battle, but it keeps things interesting. One of the interesting things that we do now is we sell our products on the Amazon.com platform. And in some cases, we're in the exact same buy box selling the exact same UPC SKU uh-huh. with Amazon. And it's a little bit like dogs and cats living together under the same roof. Right. And and we have found we've tried everything we've failed at a lot of it and we've identified you know a couple of the things that work one of the things that we're doing a lot these days is we work with vendors and both in our own factories in 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 asia the united states germany france to develop our own exclusive line of products okay so why did you do that well we we felt that you know, some of our friends were missing some components that our customers were telling us that they wanted, and we felt that we could add some value. We also liked the brand names that our vendors and partners brought, so we decided to do something together, and w- it gets us out of the buy box on Amazon. Yes, right. So that's that's also another reason, and it's very powerful for us when we can we can uh, you know apply our knowledge of being on the Amazon platform for over a decade to an individual listing and make it a winner. Mm-hmm. And then we're not sharing it with anybody else on okay. the Amazon platform. And now we're selling on Walmart.com, their online mall. We're selling on Sears.com. We're selling on Jet.com and many of the others. So That's part of what we said in the tease in the open is competing against these giants, right? These- it's amazing. We're s- it, it, we need them. Because, I mean, Amazon's audience is unlike anything we've ever seen online and growing rapidly. And um, we're also competing against them. So it's a very strange world that yes. we live in in this yes. e-commerce world. Co-opetition, right? Co-opetition. Yeah. I right. love that word. Right. Um, so uh, whenever I have a, an entrepreneur on my show and they're either in technology or their platform is predicated on technology – one of the things that I know is the rate of change within their business model is like accelerated. It's like nothing else that you I see in any other industry. It's just it just keeps moving. You just can't oh, yeah. you can never like it doesn't the the cement never really fully settles before <laughs> you have to tear it out and do it again, yes. right? So how is that? How have you guys? How have you handled? I assume that's the case with you. And if that is the case, what are you doing about it? Because it's got to be maddening in some ways. We really focus on process as opposed to the end zone. There really is no end zone because somebody keeps moving the goals. Right. So, but at the same time, it's one of the things that's, it's both at the same time very maddening when these things happen, these changes happen, like an Amazon pops up and all of a sudden takes over the world on e-commerce. And it's also exciting about e-commerce. You know, I'm an ADHD guy. Okay. I get bored. Okay. You know, if we figure something out in a year or two years and they come back and now we've got to change, it gets my juices flowing and I, I'm excited to constantly change and adapt to an ever-changing world. So mm-hmm. it's maddening, 
but right. it's also very exciting and keeps us interested and keeps us on our toes constantly. We, re- we really can't let our guard down. So uh, understanding that technology can in- be disruptive to your business model and, and it can enable other business models that didn't even exist. L- let's kind of go through a little bit of the arc of the business because m- my experience is generally, we said this before, but no business starts at zero and goes to some number and it's a straight line. Every year's bigger, better. Life is perfect. I mean, yeah, that's sure. maybe, but I don't know. And not so much. The movies only, I think. Maybe, yeah. So when was the first time you guys stubbed your toe or kind of hit a speed bump in the business? Well, I remember looking around after year three going, this is too easy. What am I missing here? (laughs) I went to business school and didn't really get it. And then we started this and I thought it was going to be much harder. What's going on? We were waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then in 2008, we're five, six years in, we had our first near-death experience. Okay. And that's when, you know, the financial world was coming to an end. Yes. And it turns out that when people lose their job, the last thing that's on their list is to buy a foosball table. It really okay. is discretionary. So we got really hammered there. Okay. We had our first downsizing there. And then fast forward to 2013, we had what I call sort of this self-imposed, um, this sort of self-imposed issue. And we started chasing Amazon for market share. And we started lowering oh. our price and giving up profit margin because we were seduced by getting that volume sale. And um, we lost a million dollars in 2013. That was a. I I always joke with friends. You don't really know what you're doing in business until you lose at least a million dollars in one year. (laughs) Can we can we ring the gong on that one, baby? (laughs) That give you out there if if you haven't lost a million. (laughs) That's right. I mean, for a slow learner like me, it's a really good teacher. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, that's a. That must have been a hard conversation then when you got around the table and looked at those results. It was hard. There were a lot of tears, um, and we had the discussions of, are we going to fold the tent? Are we done? Oh, my God. And after we, 11 years? After 11 years. We, you know, we were millions of dollars in debt, and we uh, we have no hope. And it was a really hopeless situation, but this is where I have to give credit to my brothers, especially Elon. Elon said, we can do this. We can fix this, and we can turn this around. We don't have to file for bankruptcy. This is what we do. We're going to shut down the office. And one of the hardest things I ever did was having to let go an entire team of 12 people. I don't ever want to do that again, but it was painful. And he said, we're going to work from home. We're going to cut all of our costs, and we're going to figure this out, and we're going to make it work. And that was – we did that um, in December of 2013 after a horrendous year. And uh, we, we, uh, we, we reached out to one person that we had let go, asked him if he wanted to be part of this rebirth that we went through in 2014. And uh, we call ourselves the Quattro, the four of us that made it through that, mm-hmm. that second near-death experience and rebuilt the company and laid the groundwork for you know, what it is today, sort of high growth with a profitable model in e-commerce. So we're going to take uh, our second commercial break here on Critical Mass. When we come back, can we talk about today and tomorrow? Absolutely. Okay. I'd love to. Don't go anywhere. I'm talking with you're listening to Jason Boyce tell the story about he and the company he and his brothers found uh, back in 2002, right? 2002. Yeah. It, it, and if you're online, which you must be if you're listening to this show, podcast or live stream, you may want to go to dazadi.com, which is D-A-Z-A-D-I.com while, you're, while we're doing here and maybe peruse their, uh, their inventory and see if there might be something you need here for springtime. But we'll be right back after this short commercial break from me. 
If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi. Jason Boyce is our guest. He is CEO of Dazity, and we're talking about his company, Dazity.com. But before we do that, I just want to say a great way to stay informed about the guests that we have here on the radio program and podcast is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Simply go to my website, criticalmass4business.com, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. At the bottom of any page, let me repeat that, at the bottom of any page, there's a join our mailing list box. Simply put your email address in there, type it in, hit subscribe, and like magic, next week you'll start receiving a weekly, once a week newsletter that talks about the radio show guests. We don't do anything else with your email address. We only do what you ask us to do, which is subscribe you to our weekly newsletter. All right, let's get back to this interview. Let's talk about, again, we had a great conversation off the air, so I want to bring it to the audience, the fact of how valuable the lessons that you learned through those trying times were for you and how that's maybe built some inherent resiliency for the future. Can, can you just kind of share that gut check with our audience? Sure. I, I, I mentioned to you before I'm a slow learner. It took me eight years to get my four-year degree. I call it the Tommy Boy degree, right? You've seen the movie. <laughs> and uh, I'm a slow learner. And my brothers and I, we didn't come from a business family. We kind of had to learn this on our own. And business school will only get you so far. Right. And then life is is the best teacher. And I, I always joke that our best teachers in this e-commerce business has been failure and Amazon because they're unlike anything you know anyone has ever seen in this space before. Right. And there's just something about when you fail and you do something that causes great pain and agony that kind of sticks with you, that it becomes sort of a reminder if you start to veer off the the correct path that brings you back to mm-hmm. making sure we're profitable, making sure we're doing all the right things to grow, making sure we're investing in our people and helping them grow so that we can continue to scale the company. And, you know, I, I think there are a lot of other people out there smarter than me and that don't have to suffer in order to learn. But for okay. me, it, it, it's some of the best life lessons I've ever had were from suffering. Well, I, I believe that in business experience is the best teacher. Mm. But some business lessons are best learned vicariously through the experiences of others. I hope that others can learn from my mistake and not have to go through it. Exactly. Yeah. The, the discipline of paying attention to the details and maybe some decisions that you look back now and go, oh, man, that was the beginning of the, that. Because once you make those decisions, it's hard. It's sometimes hard to pull back out of them, sure. especially if you've just put a bunch of money up against them. So n- let's talk about Dazity now. What is it that is the crucible from which you're taking this business to the next level? What's the business model? Well, 
After 2013, we really kind of changed the business to be more of a marketplace business. We really focused on our operations, our buying, our procedures and processes to get products shipped quickly for free to the customer. Okay. And what we're doing in 2017 is we're coming back to that story. We're going to be revamping the website to make the site a destination site for parents like the ones you and I talk to uh-huh. who are concerned about their kids and their, you know, their their your digital phone or their iPad and they want to get them away from it. We want to be a resource for family and friends to be able to come to to find out how can I build my own game room? How can I build, you know, my lady lounge or my man cave or how can I do a staycation? That's a new term. I'm not heard lady lounge. Where have I been? <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, d- the women are the largest demographic of our customer base right Come now. Come on. Absolutely. They're moms, and they want their kids to get unplugged, and they want them to play these right. games that they grew up with. And, and that, so we're really reinvesting back into telling our story again. We're going to be revamping the website, the, uh, the, uh, the mobile experience, so that it's easier to, to buy these things and get them to your house quickly. And... We're committed to growth. You know, we're able to give up a little bit of profit in order to make sure that we're still reinvesting for the future. Right. We have a goal of a hundred million dollars in revenue by 2020, and we think this company could be a billion-dollar company. The market and the online world, in our space and more, is out there for us. So, so you have, it's you have focused in on a specific niche. Is that is that what else I'm hearing? I mean, you're 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 about the home entertainment. Whether it's the lady lounge or the man cave, but it is it the is that experience. It's that experience. It's the family time. It's to bring the friends over after the game so we can play foosball time. Right. That is where we are today. Right. And we will always have that okay. as our founding principle. And in the future, as we get bigger and larger, we want to expand that category mix so that we can do more things for the home, like the dining table where our business okay. was founded, okay. the furniture in the den where we hung out and played cribbage and backgammon together, and continue to offer those kinds of products into the oh, future that and really the, brings that home experience together. And I don't mean to talk over you, but that, that's the that's the opportunity and the risk at the same time, isn't it? Absolutely. So often for entrepreneurs, it is how do we grow by diversifying without diluting our core reason for existence that is so hard some to do yes it is yes it is and we've made that mistake over and over and over again we tried to be a software company at one point and it almost ruined us we tried to do 15 other categories that didn't have sort of a soul yeah but we you know we really believe in this home and the the ability to bring curated selection of really great products to the family and to friends so that they can have meaningful enjoyable times with their with the, their loved ones and, and i think maybe this is the third request that I have of you, Polly, to bring the gong. Because I think, I think that that is the key to how you grow your business. Is at the same time stay true to your purpose as a business, right? It really is sort of a guiding light, guiding light, yeah, guiding principle, a guiding which principle. leads me to tell me: Have you evolved then into? And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm sorry if it sounded that way. But like, have you developed a guiding principle, a philosophy that you're using to lead and grow your firm now and in the future? And if so, can you share your philosophy with us? Well, if we're talking about 
our employees and how we're building our internal family. Is that, is that, yes, is that the question? that would work. Okay, so uh, one of the lessons that I learned as a Marine Corps officer was every Marine is a rifleman. If you're a lawyer and you've got a Marine uniform on, you can pick up an M16 and you can defend your station. And everyone is trained to be a rifleman. Well, at Dazzity, with our team, everyone is a customer experience center representative. Everyone. It doesn't matter if you're an accountant. It doesn't matter if you're a customer service rep, if you're a buyer. Everyone is focused on the customer. And as long as we, we believe, as long as we stay focused and we keep our ears open and we listen to what our customers are telling us and we evolve appropriately, I wasn't offended by the term evolving at all. That's, okay. all, that's what we do. Okay, it's a, thank you. And um, I, we believe that if we focus on the customer even more than our competitors on some level, I think that's the first focus of our energy always. When we have a meeting, we've got an empty chair. It's the customer. Mm. And so we're always trying to make their experience better so that they can really focus on what matters. And to us, that's family. Wow. that's Thank you for sharing that, Jason. I, I appreciate it. You know, we had uh, Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey, who were the founders of Barefoot Wine. Right, oh, Two yeah, entrepreneurs sure. who backed into the wine industry, weren't wine drinkers, didn't have this vision, but they had raw material, and the only way they could monetize it was to turn it into wine, because one of their clients couldn't pay him, but he could give them raw material. So oh. that's the story of Barefoot Wine, which they, then, which they then turned into the largest unit producer in, in the world by volume, and then they sold it out to Gallo. So, ah, so their beautiful. story, the Barefoot Spirit, the reason why I sell that is at the, at the beginning, they had two departments, sales and sales support. That's it. You're either yeah. in sales or you're in sales support. Yeah. That, that's the way we worked. Yeah. And I hear that with you with the customer service and customer support. Sure. Right. I mean, we really brought that home in 2014. You know, we're all working from home. There's four of us. We can't do $8 million in revenue, which is what we did that year, if all four of us aren't wow. dealing with the customers. So it really opened our eyes to what we might have been missing before. Exactly. Because we're literally talking to the customers. <laughs> literally. Literally. Talking. Literally. Yes, you yes. Know, and all hours right of the night orders and morning. Yeah, yeah, we're working 20 hours a day and we were making it happen. And, you, you know, you mentioned Amazon and one of the things that I think they're doing is they're spoiling the consumer to what an online experience should be. That's one way to look at it, Rick. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. I think the consumer is telling them what they want. And sure, they're offering this amazing service, but look at the benefits that they're gaining when they listen to the customer and they, right. they deliver. Right. You know? Right. And so th- it's a great North Star, though, right? Yeah. Because whenever I make an online purchase, it's my it's my North Star. I, I measure everybody else against Absolutely. what I've become used to in dealing with Amazon. Absolutely. A- and I, th- I think that is... That's a that that has been a powerful experience for every, and probably been the reason why some haven't been able to scale. And even big companies who you think would have the ability to invest to the degree to get that still don't get it. It's it's not that. It's something else. And it, and it may be what you said earlier, just a few minutes ago, the ability to understand a customer in a relation. You're really having a relationship with me when I'm placing an online order. Yes, right. Sir. We absolutely are. From beginning to end, and it doesn't stop when you put your credit card in there, we make sure that it arrives at your home in one piece in the way that you want it. Right. And we can offer a level of service to bring it into your home, put it together for you if you'd like, and uh, that's how we see it. 
Until well, I would think that would be valuable for people that are doing the lady lounge. I'm going to use that term a lot now sure. because I'm trying to remember it. Yeah, and then the man cave, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can buy all this stuff, but getting it put in the right place and making sure. it all work is sure. All this technology now is not easy. We've done some great rooms. We did a Magic Johnson game room, and he has an entire arcade oh in his home. Oh my god! And uh, oh, to be when my brother Elon went to his home and said, "Would you like coin op or not?" He says to us, "I want the coin op in there." And why is that? Because that Isaiah Thomas, he comes over here and he's cheap i want him putting quarters if he's playing in my game room so we have a lot of experience going into people's homes right. celebrities and not and helping them create their space that's uh, meaningful and fun for them right and and the idea is to branch out beyond those those areas of the house to other areas of the house that were still around family is what step I step by say. step brick by brick absolutely right and it would be logical as a client that i would go with you to those other areas of the house because of your origin story. That That's the hope. If we do a good job with your home rec areas and you want to redo your den, let us help you. Right. Right. And he, okay. Wow. So $100 million, huh? Yes. And you were... We're on track. Okay, you're on track. We're on track. Well, you're Inc. 5000. You're growing. I mean, that's not easy to to, successive year over year growth. Yeah. So so when you come back and you're $100 what's the world going to be like for you as the CEO of this organization? I don't think very much differently than it is now. You know, I hope to be spending more time developing our future leaders for the company at that point and passing on this origin story and this message that the customer is everything mm-hmm. and and uh, sharing the message that was so meaningful and valuable to me that helped heal me as a kid that f- friends and family matter and they matter more than that app you just downloaded from yes. the iPhone, yes. iPhone store. I-, I love it when entrepreneurs are able to come on the program and talk about a socioeconomic or a macroeconomic trend that gives them a little bit of tailwind because you know, it helps sure. to push you fast. And, and I do think uh, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. I do find more and more parents are looking at how little they're interacting with their children, and that's, that isn't a positive. No. And, and are looking for ways to re-engage. I, I do believe the millennials and their kids are going to be more involved. We can help them, Rick. Right. I think you're, you're sitting right on top of that wave. Yeah. Right. Do you sell surfboards? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Okay. So if someone wants to, they didn't take my offer earlier, tell them again how they find you online. Well, uh, the website is dazity.com. That's spelled D-A-Z-A-D-I. If you want to reach out to me personally, okay. I have a Twitter handle at Jason, J-A-S-B-O-Y-C-E. It's not Jason. It's just J-A-S-B-O-Y-C-E. And we're going to be reskinning the website to make it more of a destination site over the course of this year. So I hope you'll stay tuned and, mm-hmm. and come to us and tell us what we're doing right and tell us what we're doing wrong. So if, We'll if, listen. If there are vendors out there, because there are CEOs of companies that are out there, are you interested in talking to people that think they might have a... a business opportunity or product or something that absolutely might we have a wonderful buyer carlos carlos at dazity.com okay reach out to him let him know that you've got a product that fits with uh, bringing friends and family together and we're probably interested interested great well this has been a kick in the pants you're oh, you're pleasure. a great guest and i and i love the fact that you're willing to talk about the good times and the not so good times sure absolutely i mean i think all of those things together make us who we are and it's always a pleasure to be what are you working on your fourth book now it's always a pleasure rick uh, really impressive uh, career that you put together here thank you, thank you for inviting us no thank you jason i uh welcome you to the community of critical mass community and thank you for being a friend of the program thank you and continued success my okay? pleasure thank you, you come back again i would I, love to ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna have him back again he's just just 
truck full of information. I'd like to thank our engineer, the Gongmeister, today. Paul Roberts, our producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. I'm your host, Richard Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about the radio show or the CEO peer groups that I lead, please visit my website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi, 